Hello and welcome to the ETOF 21 Sports Podcast for January 15th. Wow. Can we believe it? Wildcard weekend is here. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF 21 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter at ETOF 21, Instagram at ETOF 21 Sports underscore horse racing picks, free at ETOF 21 Sports underscore horse underscore racing for free fantasy football advice at ETOF 21 Sports underscore fantasy. Wow. How's everyone doing? You know, college football's going, NFL wildcard weekend, UFC's picking back up, Royal Rumble's right around the corner. Wow. I mean, what a time to be alive. Horse racing is going on, coaches being fired in the NFL, crazy NBA trades just coming out of the blue. And I'm here to help you guys talk about it, make some money, and just have some fun talking sports. Again, I'm Eric. We have a great show today. My boy Dylan, DC underscore sports guy, is going to come on. We're going to talk NBA. There is that crazy Cam Reddish trade that kind of came out of the blue. We're going to dive in. We're going to talk to that. Then my boy Leo from Better Than Vegas, a.k.a. BTV, diehard Dolphins fan. He's going to come on. We're going to talk this whole Brian Flores trading, getting canned out of the blue. Crazy firing in my eyes. And then lastly... He is back again. David Alpha Analytics 21 is going to come on, and him and I are just going to run through the wild cards. We're just going to talk again. We're going to talk through it. We're going to see what are we on, what are we not on, when we're different, stuff like that. So, great show today. Uh, before I start everything, quick little announcement. The guys from BTV must be doing a good job in the NFL show. They asked if I could come on and do the college basketball show. So I'm going to be talking college basketball with those guys. Uh, really looking forward to that. Another opportunity. I am grateful for all those guys and Gino for giving me on. A reminder, I'm on Gino's podcast every single Friday morning where we go through the NFL card. I am sure I'll probably be on for the NBA too. So yeah, you know, you guys can find me anywhere. You guys are going to see me a lot moving forward. So thanks for the support. Please like, subscribe, review this podcast. It is greatly appreciated. So like I said, loaded show today. Uh, let's jump right into it with the DFS build. It's an interesting slate. The Saturday games, as always, for the rest of the playoffs, I'll be writing a little piece on the BTV website. So make sure you check that out for the Saturday games. For the Sunday games, this is the plan. The three guys I am building around, and you can find a slate. It's all three games. We have Philly at Tampa, we have San Francisco at Dallas, and we have Pittsburgh at Kansas City. The first player we're going to have in the quarterback position, like I said every week, the quarterback position, we want someone that's going to go out. We want someone that's going to get over 20 points. And who is that player? That player is Jalen Hurts. And I know you guys are probably saying, but Eric, Jalen Hurts, what the F? He's playing against Tampa. It's a great defense. They stop the run. Well, if you guys listen to me on the Gino Bacala podcast that came out Friday morning, I broke it down. Tampa actually gives up the third most rushing yards this season to opposing quarterbacks. So Hurts is live in the running game. And also they give up an average of 19.6 points per game to opposing quarterbacks. Would you believe that they are giving up the most points per game to opposing quarterbacks that are playing on this Sunday? I didn't think so. I think 
that Philly's going to go in there and shock the world. They're going to be able to run the ball. Like I said in Geno's podcast, if you look at the teams that they've played that have a good rushing attack, they've averaged giving up 28 points to teams in the top 16 DVOA that run the ball. So I really feel that Philadelphia is going to be able to run the ball. I feel that Hertz is going to be able to get his through the RPO. And they are the second most efficient team in play action pass, which I really think is going to open everything up for the Eagles. I know there's some rainy weather, and if it's rainy weather, Hertz is going to be running the ball more. So it's just a great matchup. I really feel I'm going to be able to get the 20 points if I plug in Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts in my quarterback position, lock and loaded. Now, in terms of the running back position, the team I really want to focus on attacking is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'll tell you why. It's for positive game script. I really feel that they're going to be able to get, that the Chiefs are going to be able to get out in front and they're going to be able to run the ball. I'm really going to be looking at Daryl Williams right now because it's been announced that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is out. If Daryl Williams is out, he is questionable right now. There is no tag if he's going to be going or not. The next person I'm going to look for is Frank Gore's kid, Derek Gore, who's four gram. Daryl Williams is 5,200. We're going to go with him. He's averaging 11 points per seven. That's a little askewed because um, he split times with Edwards Alaire. And I've gone on record to say they're a better offense with Williams there as opposed to Edwards Alaire because Edwards Alaire is too small and he can't run in, run in between the tackles. Steelers are giving up 21.5 fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. They've been getting shredded on the ground. It is just a great matchup for Williams, for the Chiefs. You have a positive game script. I'm going to lock in Williams. If Williams can't go, guys, I'm going to be locking in Gore. Either way, I'm going to have whoever is the Chiefs lead running back locked in to my running back position here. And lastly, we're going to go in the wide receiver. With the wide receivers, obviously the group I want to look to attack is the San Francisco 49ers. Now, don't get me wrong. I think the 49ers win the game. I think... They advance. I think they are very capable of making a run, but their hole is in the back four. And I really think the person that is going to be exploited and they're going to look to take advantage of the Cowboys, that is, is Amari Cooper. They're going to look to Cooper a lot more. When you look at the Cooper Lamb splits, Lamb has a significant drop off in his production when there is no Michael Gallup. Cooper is the alpha. He does lead them in targets. He does lead them, lead them in production when Gallup is out. And I expect that trend to continue. I am looking for a huge Amari Cooper game in this game in the afternoon. So there you have it, folks. The three people I'm going to be having in every single lineup is Jalen Hurts, Darren Daryl Williams. As of now, again, Gore will be put in if Williams is a no-go. And Amari Cooper. Also remember, if you're looking for my San, my Saturday fantasy football, who's going to be in my lineup, you have to check that out at Better Than Vegas. So that's it for my fantasy football build. Also, so here's a funny thing. I'm, I'm in this group chat, and uh, you know, I just wanted to say this. It's it's really funny to me. I'm in this group chat. It's for it's just I whatever I like text messages or whatever. I'm really not that savvy of a tech guy. I'm actually amazed I'm able to put together this podcast with some sort of 
knowledge, which by myself, which is crazy to me. But but anyway, um, there's this guy in it, and it. I give plays out, you know, on Twitter. You know, it's kind of my business account. This is how I'm kind of using this to grow what I'm trying to do by helping you guys win money. But when I'm in a group chat and I give out a play, it's just boom, whatever, don't care, tail, whatever. You have these guys that are just so like, hey, look at me, I want to bet. They fudge their records. They say Sharpie. In my eyes, if you are a gambler or use the term Sharpie or LFG, you're a fucking bum and it's telling me all I need to know about you as a gambler. I am someone that invests a lot of money in the stuff I do and pretty good ROI. It's opened up a lot of doors for me. And again, I'm here to help you guys make money. And I have never said those terms in all my life. And I just had to bring that up because I just got an alert while I was recording this and I need to vent and you guys heard my vent. But anyway, we have a great show today. Like I said, you know, we're going to talk a little NBA. We're going to talk a little NFL. So let's hop right into it. So we had a huge trade in the NBA on Thursday with basically, in a nutshell, Cam Reddish to the Knicks for, um, it was Reddish, Solemn Hill, a second round pick to the Knicks for Kevin Knox and a protected first round pick, a little bit of an NBA shocker, and who else to come on and talk a little NBA. He's a Knicks fan. He's going to give his thoughts. Dylan, aka DC underscore sports guy on Twitter and not Twitter, excuse me, TikTok and Instagram. Dylan, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing all right. How are you? You know what? I'm doing good. Winter months, nice and nice and cold out here in Chicago. How is it by you in that nice warm sun? Yeah, no, it's it's great, but it's starting to get a, a little bit colder here. Um, you know, finally wearing sweatshirts and stuff. <laughs> Still wearing shorts, but. It's just a little bit colder now than what it was like a month ago or so. So just to put it in perspective, when I was in my car today, I had a winter cap on, winter gloves, my heat turned up high in the SUV, and I had my seat warmers on. Just to, just so you, just so you put it in perspective, dude. So yeah, it's, it's <laughs> crazy the difference. Just like a couple of hours can make as far as weather goes. So you know, reddish is coming to your Knicks. And this gives them quite a young group of ball players right now, and something that's pretty um, interesting. You know, it's got R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, Quickly, Robinson, Toppin. I mean, how how as a Knicks fan do you feel about this trade right now? Um, I'm pretty happy just because you know Knox wasn't getting much playing time. He was buried on the bench like Reddish was for the Hawks, but I honestly think Reddish is a much better player just because he's way more proven as a defender, and he's been known ever since his college days that he was a really good defender. Um, They're kind of, I would say Reddish is a better shooter, but not by much. I think if Knox got more opportunities, he would be a, a better shooter. But this gives the Knicks something that they haven't had in a couple of seasons, which is um, small forward depth. I mean, it's just been basically they've been rolling out RJ and they've been putting some undersized guys at the at the three spot. So I really like uh, I really like this move for the Knicks, especially since he really didn't cost all that much. Yo, not at all. And you're taking a gamble. He was the fourth pick. 
he's always kind of been a guy that his ceiling was really high. Um, I don't know if I told you this. Uh, he went to a camp that one of my friends worked at, and the quote that my friend had was, anytime it was skill development work, he was always hurt. When it was ready for a scrimmage, he was always okay to play. And, you know, that to me, that kind of sticks out a little bit about Cam Reddish as a basketball player. Um, so the, the season for your Knicks, eh, you know, I'll call a spade a spade. It's yeah. been it, it's been a little disappointing. Uh, in terms of getting to the playoffs and actually winning a series, do you think that accomplishes the goal with this move? No, I wouldn't say that pushes the needle. I think this just adds more of a 3D type of guy. I, he's not the most efficient scorer. I mean, his three-point shooting and his free throw percentages are at career highs, but he's still only shooting 40% from the field. I think he's more of a guy that, you know, you need defense. You need, you need a guy that... Um, could guard multiple positions and um, knock down knock down threes. I think he provides that for you. I, I think he's like more of a guy that at his peak will average like 15 points per game, shoot a high percentage from three. Um, kind of like a Trevor Ariza type of guy where he could come in and um, lock down lock down the uh, opposing teams like better offensive players and just be a consistent three point shooter. Yeah, I think he could be an Ariza-type player, but I think he needs to realize that's what a type of player he is. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes it's hard for these young guys who have always been perceived the man to realize, hey, you know, I'm going to be, like, the sixth man on this team, play some defense, knock down a three, average 12 points a game. That That's my career. And there's nothing wrong with that career. I mean, hell, I would love to have that career. I would love to have Trevor Ariza's career. I would love to have Bob Ori's career. Um. Yeah. So right now, I'm sorry about this. I should have this up, guys. I am pulling up. Do you pulling up the Knicks record? Because um, right now, if the playoffs were to start, they would would they even be in it? I don't know off the top of my head. Um, I'm looking right now. Oh my God, they are 11th right now, 21 and 21. Um, yeah, so they, they they need a little work actually to get to get in. I thought. They're actually in the eighth spot. That's my bad. Um, they're about a game and a half behind the Raptors for the eighth. They are three games out of the Cavaliers from the sixth spot. Do you think they'll be able to get up to that sixth line with this move, or do you think they'll be stuck into the the play-in, or do you think they're not? This doesn't move the needle. They're not even going to get into the play-in. I think they'll definitely be a play-in team. I would not expect this team. This team by adding Cam Reddish to jump to a six seed, just because I've never been too high on Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish, I really don't think he puts us over the top, especially if Randall continues to play how he's been playing. He's been completely mediocre, and um, you know they really need what they've been seeing out of RJ the last couple of weeks and the last couple of games to um, really jump up in the standings. I think so. I really think. There's a whole combination of different things that aren't good and haven't gone well for the Knicks. But if RJ continues to progress like he's shown over the last few games and he puts up 20-plus games, I mean, I don't see why not. Uh, now, and my next thing is, let's look at this from the Hawks' perspective. The Hawks, they've been a bigger disappointment than the Knicks. They're actually 
four games behind the Knicks, sitting at 17 and 23. Dylan, this was a team that made the Eastern Conference Finals last year. I know. Um, they are struggling and they are free falling. I mean, it makes sense with the depth wing that they have that they would trade Reddish. I mean, they got Hunter, they got Herder, uh, they have John Collins. You know, there's only so much wing stuff playing time. So it makes sense dealing Reddish. But, you know, they added another first-round pick. Do you think, like, that's two first-round picks? Do you think there could be another move, possibly like a Jeremy Grant or, dare I say, Ben Simmons? Yeah, I absolutely think so. I mean, I believe that personally that the NBA community and the fans probably believe that Cam Reddish should have gotten traded for more and should have been valued a little bit more. But obviously around the NBA that he probably wasn't valued as such. And I think that the Hawks are probably probably trying to collect assets that teams want in order to make a bigger trade, whether that be for a Ben Simmons or Jeremy Grant, like you mentioned, throw in John Collins in there or something like that, because I've heard that he's been disgruntled. So a lot of interesting things be, um, ha- could be coming out of this trade. Yeah, because Young, something that kind of got swept underneath the rug uh, last year is during a meeting, I guess Collins just absolutely laid into Young saying how he holds the ball too much, saying saying how he's not getting other people engaged. I mean, it was quite a little uh, interesting thing that with its success they had and the run they had, you know, kind of got, you know, pushed under the rug. Um, so I just pulled up the uh, old NBA uh, trade machine here on, uh, here on, uh, what is this website? France Pro. Let's uh, let's make let's let's try this trade here. So you're saying we're gonna take the Hawks, uh, next team. Let's go to the 76ers. How about that? Pull up the 76ers. Uh, so we're gonna send John Collins. Uh, we're gonna send how many picks? What what picks? You wanna send two picks? Three picks? Well, um, I'd probably send two. I think that would probably move the needle. Uh, first rounders or second rounders? First. Uh, so, uh, dude, they have a first rounder via OKC. That's going to be a high one. So, yeah. so we'll send that one, and uh, we'll make it top three protected, and we'll send another one, and we'll make it top. Uh, we'll make it top five protected. And then let's go to the 76ers. On the flip side of that, for the 76ers, send uh, Ben Simmons. Trade to there. Try this trade. I think we need another salary for uh, yeah, the Hawks to put in there. Yep. Maybe like a DeLon Wright or something. Okay, so let me adjust trade. And you're saying DeLon Wright? Is that who you're saying? Yeah. Former piston, former former piston great. Yeah. <laughs> former piston great, Dion White. Um, try this trade. Trade failed again. Uh, John Collins can. Oh, that's because oh, Collins no. cannot be traded until actually tomorrow. <laughs> so. Uh, yes, yeah, so that's fine. So, yeah, so, so that that trade that, that trade would go through. Um. You know what? I kind of like that trade. I, I like that trade a lot 
for both uh, for both teams. I really, f- but I mean, may I take that back? I like that trade for Philly more than I like it for Atlanta. Do you think a Ben Simmons and Trey Young could work together? Um, that that would be hard because. I mean, I think it could just because you could move you could move Trey Young off ball as far as on offense because I think he's that good of a shooter. Where if he just runs around like kind of like how um kind of like how Clay Thompson or Steph Curry does, where he just moves around, constant moving, do a lot of like off ball picks and off ball screen type of work. I think that could actually work out great for him, and I think that would take a lot of the load off of him. But will he? admit that's what he needs to do. You know what I mean? Like, will he accept yeah. it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't that, know. Who knows? That's that's the big thing right there. Um, but, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy how the NBA does this shit. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. here it is. Middle of the NFL season. People are talking wild cards. People are celebrating fantasy football championships. Oh, hey. Here's uh, here's Cam Reddish to, uh, to the Knicks. No big deal. Whatever. I mean, it's it's just amazing yeah. to me how the NBA always does that does this stuff. But uh, overall, um, if you were to grade the trade, and I know this is always a hard thing to do. What uh, yeah. what what grades would you give to the Knicks and the Hawks? So for the Knicks, I would give them an A or an A minus, just because I think it's definitely worth a shot. Where he could, if he could end up being a Trevor Ariza like player for them. I think that could be huge, and I think that's something that they really, really need on this team, especially since if RJ needs a breather or, let's say, God forbid, RJ gets hurt or something, this team's got nothing to provide at the three spot. What are you going to do? You're going to move Fournier to three, then who's going to play the two? Burks, but, like, Burks plays so much better off the bench, so, like, or one of those two guys plays so much better running the second unit, so, like, I just feel like that that, that deal could really push the Knicks up a few spots in the standings if Reddish could stay healthy and put in the work. And yeah. as for the Hawks, I think it's I think it's almost TBI. I think it's like incomplete just because I would I would like to see where they would go with this asset that they just got from the Knicks in that first round pick as well as um, Kevin Knox. So I really I would really like to see if they end up moving those um, assets. If they don't, I'd probably have to get it a D, something like that, just because I think it's a, a massive downgrade from. Reddish to Knox, or yeah, Reddish Knox. Okay, and Knox has kind of been this forgotten guy. He came into the league as one of the um, youngest guys in the league, and he's actually as crazy as it sounds. He's still kind of developing as a player because at the NBA, you really don't hit your peak unless like you're a uh, like kind of like a freak, like a Giannis or a LeBron. Mm. You know when you're when you're like 27, this kid is still only 22 years old. Can you believe that? Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. I mean, the problem with Knox, though, as I've seen him plenty of times, is that he lacks that aggressiveness. So when he goes into a game, it's almost like he'll just sit around there. Hopefully, he'll be open for a, a three. He usually knocks him down. He's actually a very good um, three-point shooter, I personally think. But he just truly lacks that aggressiveness that, like, if he gets time, he's not going to take advantage of it. Yeah, it's hopefully he can take advantage of it and he can get his career moving in the right track because there's still time for him to kind of, you know, piece some stuff together. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Dylan, I would like 
to thank you for coming on, giving your thoughts about this NBA trade. I'm sure we'll have you on again as soon as the trade line starts like ramping up and it because it, it's it's only a couple couple weeks away. I'm sure we'll have you on right before excuse me, right after that to talk a little bit more. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? All right, awesome. Yeah, thank you, Eric. Um, you can find me at DC underscore sports guy on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I'm mostly active on my Instagram, so if you want to see the most content, that's where I'll be posting. Awesome, my man. Thank you for coming on. Uh, you have a lovely rest of your weekend, and we'll talk soon, my, my friend. So one of the big surprising coaching fires was Miami Dolphins getting rid of Brian Flores and who else to come on and talk a little Dolphins football than Leo he's on Twitter at the BTV Greek he basically runs everything at BTV Leo how you doing today So what was I was in shock when I got the alert from Schefter on Twitter that Flores was out. What was your initial reaction to the whole thing? So my initial reaction was I was actually doing something and my buddy texted me and said, you know, I can't believe you guys got rid of Flores. And I have all the notifications set up for Schefter and Rappaport for some reason. Twitter, I stopped working on my phone for a moment, and then all of a sudden, I got the notification that we fired Brian Flores, and it just, I mean, I went to bed after the regular season finale thinking to myself, Miami is one move away from being a real contender, and that was not the move. That, that really was not the move. That's probably the last move I would have made, and of course, the Miami Dolphins go and get rid of one of the best uh, head coaches in the NFL. Terrible. Terrible. I mean, the move it kind of reminded me of was when my Lions got rid of Jim Caldwell. And we haven't been back since we got rid of him. I mean, that move to me was just still awful. We had a guy that took a team that had some deficiencies, that like the Dolphins do, and kind of put him in that position year in, year out to battle for a playoff spot. Um, so it was kind of a head-scratching move to me. Um, I mean, the big elephant in the room with the whole Dolphins situation and we're hearing these reports come out that Flores wasn't a Tua guy. Um, I said it when way back when, when I went on Gino's podcast. If you watch the press conference, Flores really didn't seem that animated with the pick, excited with the pick when they announced it. Um, do you think that has any weight to why Flores got let go? He just didn't believe in Tua. He wanted Herbert. He wanted Watson. Or is it just I a mean, difference? The reports that come Deshaun Watson was one of the main reasons that, I mean, one of the main reasons that Watson wanted to go to Miami was because of Brian Flores. And I don't necessarily think he wasn't excited about the draft pick originally because I think that season we wanted to tank. And we wanted the number one pick. And before Joe Burrow really burst onto the scene, the consensus number one pick was going to be Tua before he got hurt. So I think that the end goal was going to be Tua. So I think he was okay with it. But yeah, toward the end, how the hell could you possibly be a Tua guy? I mean, listen, I ride and die with this team no matter what. But when you have Tua playing the way that Tua played, I mean, this dude freaking stinks. I, I'm sorry, but like, if Brian Flores had a clue, Chris Greer is a moron, and Tua, I, I'm sorry, buddy. I know you're young and you seem like a delightful human, but you suck. Now, I mean, this team's just a mess. 
But, I mean, my thing is this. Like, you live in the Upper East Coast, Boston area, right? Like, yeah. yeah. All right. So, hypothetically, let's say you get a Lamborghini, okay? Are you going to have a garage to store your Lamborghini in? For, with uh, those... With the, yeah, and I mean that's I feel that's kind of like the same position the Dolphins are in because with how bad that offensive line is, even if they had Herbert, even if they had Burrow, I still feel that two is in a no-win situation with just how bad your offensive line is. So that was my issue with the Tua pick when it happened is with how bad your offensive line is, whoever was drafted there was in a position to fail and living in it and that's the analogy i have like if you get a nice car during the winter you want to you want a garage to store it in so i mean that's that's fair enough but i mean miami just they it, it's way more than the offensive line i mean some of the simple throws that tour should have been making he's missing by a freaking mile and so many times he his plan was just to lob it up to either Gasicki or Parker and hope they make a play or throw it to Jalen Waddle on a slant. Like, there really weren't any complex offensive systems in place here for Tua to read the defense, to do what a normal quarterback should do. I think the offensive line is a bit of a problem, but, I mean, I, I really don't think it's the problem. I really think it's just Tua not being able to process information. Yeah, and, I like, Gino will tell you, like, the first podcast I ever did with Gino, I came on, and my direct quote, and it was the t- quote that got me blocked by Colin Coward on Twitter, was, I feel bad for anyone that thinks Tua is going to be good at the NFL level. And I said that during the draft. So I'm not a Tua guy at all. And I'll be the first. I, I was ahead of that. That's one of my claims to flame. But anyway, before we jump into the, the Dolphins' needs, let's look at these coaching situations. Now, put on your GM hat, Leo. Who would you hire as the coach and why like what direction would you go in uh it's it's kind of difficult for me to get into it but the way that i start off this process before i get like my hopes up and we start listening to like mainstream media and like coming up with ridiculous ideas first thing i turn to is the bookies and see who the bookie favorites are uh, and right now your top four is going to be brian dable doug peterson eric vianney and kellen moore i'm not over the mood about any of them I'm really not. I think that it clearly has to be an offensive coach at this point. Uh, I think that's the statement that you made, that you need somebody that's going to fix Tua and fix the problems on offense. So it's got to be one of them. I, I don't like Eric Bianami. I, I really don't. I don't think he's going to be a very good head coach. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that kind of has Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes is not coming along again for a long time. It's kind of like Joe Philbin with uh, Green Bay. When he had Aaron Rodgers and he was the offensive coordinator at Green Bay, people were like, oh, yeah, look at what he did with Green Bay's offense. Like, no, he had Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, Eric Bieniemy is off my list. I don't hate the Doug Peterson idea because he's a veteran head coach. I feel like he kind of got the shit end of the stick in Philly. I feel like there was a lot of organizational issues that got thrown on him unfairly. I I guess the main option, though, has got to be Brian Dable. Just because he was Tua's offensive coordinator back in 2017, uh, Stephen Ross is pretty familiar with him from his time as offensive coordinator in 2011. But I mean, if we're being honest, there's no right answer here. Miami's taking a massive step back, no matter who they hire. What do you think? Now the GM came out and said probably not, no, whatever. What about Harbaugh? I mean, I don't really hate. 
Andy. I mean, he did take Colin Kaepernick to a freaking Super Bowl, and, like, that defense was legit. And I, I know people consider it to be boring, but I always like the way Harbaugh's teams are kind of set up. Like, I, I still enjoy the ground and pound game. Honestly, I think our defense is kind of built for that, too. I think we saw that in the second half of the season where, you know, I, I think our defense was built beautifully for Jim Harbaugh to come in and really just continue to grow, uh, grow upon it. I, I'm going to... Yeah, I mean, I'd be okay with it. I mean, I think the thing is you got to fix the offense, and if you were going to take a defensive-minded coach, then you should have just stayed with Brian Flores. Yeah, I think for sure they have to. I agree with you 110%. Um, I mentioned this guy's name earlier. He, I mean, he, he's in charge of two of the best three Lions seasons ever. Statistically, Matt Stafford had his best um, years under this guy's guidance. And he kind of brought everybody together. He had Sue locked in. What about Jim Caldwell? I'm okay with it. I mean, he's a veteran guy. Like you said, he's had some success. Um, I, I would be more okay with Jim Caldwell over Kellen Moore, over Eric Bieniemy. I mean, he'd probably be... Yeah, I mean, he's right at the top of my list. I still think it's a step down for Brian Flores because, like, this was the problem I was having. No matter who we put in this conversation, they are worse than Brian Flores. Oh, I agree like, 100%. Just, I mean, me nuts, but I mean, Jim Caldwell is a good option. It's a solid option. Um, It's just it's just mind-boggling. What they do? Finish 7-1, and 8-1 and one to finish the season? And you get rid of the guy? It just, you know, it just makes absolutely zero sense why you get rid of that guy and... um. You know, going into the offseason, they have an interesting offseason. They're $75 million under the cap. They obviously have, need to do work at on the interior offensive line, offensive tackle. You know, we've been talking about Tua. They need to decide if Tua is the guy or they want to go in a different direction. Uh, your running back room is a nightmare. I mean, you brought in Duke Johnson from the streets, and he was your best running back. Um, you know what I mean? So, like, the offensive side of the – and wide receiver, like – who is your possession wide receiver? You have nothing but you have Will Fuller, who is a walking injury. Devontae Parker, same thing. Preston Williams can't get on the field. I mean, Mike Gusecki I like, but you can't really de- rely on a tight end to be your wide receiver number one. I got to tell you, I'm actually a pretty big fan of the Dolphins wide receiving core. I feel like the Dolphins wide receiving core doesn't get enough credit because Tua sucks so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... Devontae Parker is probably one of the best jump ball guys in the NFL. He has the potential to be the possession guy as long as, you know, I, I know he's had some, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but he's had some mental issues where, you know, he's got a lot of anxiety before games. And mm-hmm. I don't remember what happened to him in his rookie season. Then he's got some physical issues. But I think Devontae Parker definitely has the ability to be a number one if he has a capable quarterback. Uh, Jalen Waddle is a playmaker. I mean, he looks like Tyree Kill 2.0. He's freaking electrifying. Um, they have some decent pieces. Mike Kosicki's a very good receiving tight end as well. But again, a lot of this depends on you need a freaking quarterback to be able to deliver the ball to these guys. If you're just lobbing it up, which is what Tua was doing for a lot of the season, he's either hitting Waddle on a slant, he's lobbing it up to Devontae or Gasicki, and it's just that's not sustainable in the NFL. You can't do that. Yeah, they definitely need to get change that offensive scheme it was kind of like they're what they were trying to do was run what um alabama had and you just can't do that in the nfl just because there's not, not that big camp talent discrepancy um and then another 
I I like Jason Sanders. I think he's a I think you have a reliable kicker. And I mean, outside of basically Tucker, if I needed to pick a kicker to make a field goal outside of 45, Sanders would be in the conversation. Um what he's a free agent. Do you think they're gonna bring him back or move on? Uh, I mean, they really should go with Jason Sanders here. Like you said, I know he's coming off a down year, so they probably move on from him because it's. I mean, being an NFL kicker sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, you're kicking at ninety percent, and like you're probably getting fired. You're probably done. Uh, I know Sanders had a bad season this year, but yeah, I'm kind of with you here. He's one of those guys you know what you're gonna get. He's hit a lot of clutch field goals for us. I have no problem if they want to bring him back. And then you mentioned Devontae Parker, his contract coming up. Um, you seem really high on him. He could be a he, – he, he's a good number two to Waddle. Um, do you bring him back? I lean toward yeah. I lean toward yes just because he's familiar with the offense. And, again, I just feel like he had – he fills a role in the offense. I feel like every offense – you need one guy in the slot that can make plays, an electrifying player, a guy on the outside that can go get a jump ball, and a possession guy. Obviously, we're missing the possession guy, but I think that there's a couple free agents this year uh, that could possibly fill that role. Uh, you know, namely Allen Robinson, assuming that he leaves Chicago. Oh, he's but gone. He's, he's he's leaving here 100, percent dude. There's no there's no way in hell he's coming. He's staying here. He, he's he has two feet and both knees out the door, man. He's gone, dude. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, he, but yeah, I mean, $75 million, you put him working the underneath Waddle, you know, as your big time playmaker, you, you guys got something going on there. It's just a matter of fact, um, do you think they need to switch the offense more to more of like a quick hitting West coast type offense though, instead of like one that kind of push it down the field when you kind of hit in the head to a really can't throw it down the field? for Tua. I feel like we're just baiting Tua too much at this point. I mean, realistically, they brought Jalen Waddle in because he was Tua's buddy at Alabama and like, yes, Jalen Waddle has been electrified and he's earned his spot, but the reason why they brought him in, let's be completely honest here, was because he's friends with Tua. Now, we're firing a head coach. We're likely going to bring in Brian Dable because, oh, Tua's familiar with him. We're building around Tua and it's just Tua is not good. He's not capable of winning games, guys. Yeah. I'm very sorry, but like we're building a wrong, building for the wrong freaking player. The yeah. guy that we need to get rid of is now the guy that we're building around. Yep, yep, yep. I agree with you 100, man. And I'm sorry to say, I think you guys in another couple of years are going to be doing a hard reset just because you guys did buy into two. Unfortunately, um, you're a big tennis guy. Uh, I need to put you on the spot right now. Australian Open. Who do you got, men and women's side? I think that she's going to be somebody to look for on the women's side. 
she's crushing the ball. And like I said, on the bench side, it, it really is set up for Medvedev just because of the quick courts, uh, the way that the ball fluffs up too. It, it just fits his style so perfectly. But he doesn't have an easy draw. He has the potential to play Nick Kyrgios in the second round. And anybody that follows my takes, you guys know I have a man crush on Nicky. I don't care that he's half dead right now with asthma. I'm picking Nicky against anybody in a big spot in Australia. Yeah, with that serve, that and you know, just just with just with the way he plays, like the big serve, big forehand. If he gets on a roll and he gets mentally, he just two shit. So you know, he's not going to lose any points mentally. But yeah, I, I totally. Oh, by the way, he, he's Greek. By the way, he can't show up. <laughs> I. Uh... <laughs> I agree with you. I mean, I really think it's Mavidez to lose. Um, on the women's side, though, I like my girl Daria, dude. You know, she just beat uh, Gabby in Sydney. I think she can uh, piece together a run and, you know, make some balls. And she's just not she's not going to beat herself, and she can beat anyone on any day. So that's that's kind of my long shot pick, Daria. Uh, Leo, thanks for taking time out of your Friday. On your birthday, no less. I hope you have a couple... Uh, couple beers for me tonight. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter and everything and some upcoming projects you have coming up this weekend because I know you have a couple things. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much for the birthday wishes. But you can find us over at betterthanvegas.com. Head on over there. Uh, this joke of your story has really taken on a life of its own. I have been all over it from the start. Uh, we are going to be airing the hearing live tonight, 6.15 Eastern Time, on FBTV Best with live reaction afterwards. Uh, I, I can't wait for that. And then more importantly, Gino and I are going to be breaking down the entire men's and women's draw tomorrow, Saturday, noon Eastern Time, on FBTV Best. So basically, go follow FBTV Best, turn your notifications on, and you know, pay attention when they pop up. Awesome, dude. You know, I am glad. You know, I've we've kind of gotten to know each other over the last couple of months, dude. Consider you a friend. Thanks for coming on. And uh, hopefully, the Dol- I mean, I've always kind of liked the Dolphins since the, uh, you know, I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because when I was a kid, they had a fish on their helmet. But hopefully, they can get <laughs> stuff going in the right direction. Uh, you have a happy birthday. And, uh, you know, let's make some money, my friend. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. It is wild card weekend, super wild card weekend, and who else to come on? He's been on the last couple weeks. Um, David, aka Denver Dog on Twitter, Alpha underscore Analytics twenty one on Instagram. David, how you doing today, my man? Good, good. How you doing, Eric? Great Friday. Happy to be here and happy to talk about the wild card weekend ahead, man. Oh my God, I. I love this weekend. I absolutely love this weekend. We got some very intriguing matchups, and I'm interested to see where your head is. I got my thoughts on the game. I've actually locked some bets in, and let's jump right into it. First game, we got the Raiders going against the Bengals. I'm looking at bet stamp right now. The over-under, depending on the book, 48 to 48 and a half. Lines kind of settled. It's been kind of all over the place, but it seems it's kind of settled at five or five and a half, depending on the book. Where is your head with this game, my friend? Yeah, so, you know, uh, my lines are actually right in sync with Vegas right now. Um, my, I mean, across everything, whether it be first half betting or full game, um, my model is showing a minus five for the Bengals. I mean, you said the Vegas lines at like minus five, minus five and a half across most books. Um, similarly, the total I'm, I'm looking at is a total of 47. So right under that 48 and a half or 48 mark for the full game. 
from you know a first half perspective same i mean my lines are dead on with vegas for this game my model is showing a minus three and a half for the Bengals. The, you know the first half that i had vegas at was minus three and a half as well for the Bengals. um the first half total was sitting at 23 and a half for vegas and i got you know 21 myself so you know for me there is no wiggle room this is a tight tight line um i i have it as a you know, a no play for myself in this game. You know, not one that I'm, you know, only because the line is exactly where it is and because, you know, uh, there is no give anywhere in this line. Uh, like I said, I don't find it to be a bet, but if I were to bet, I'd bet on the dog. i bet on the Raiders just because line is exactly where this game should fall. My bet for this game, now tell me what you think. I looked uh, Raiders this year inside, averaging 24 points per game. Outside, they're averaging 19 points per game. Then I looked, took a look at Derek Carr. Um, he's only averaging, what is he, 60 yards less of passing per game outside compared to inside. Lesser completion percentage, less TDs per game, more INTs per game. Carr, any game under 37 degrees, it's supposed to be 31 at kickoff, 0-5. Raiders have never scored more than 17 points. You have the um, Bengals, who basically rested everyone last week. I think they're going to come out yep. a little slow. Raiders playing outdoors. I actually played the first half under at 24. I think this game is going to start off like a, just a just a little sloppy. That's that's where my head is, and kind of based on your numbers, you tend to think it's a point or two too high with that total. I got 24 and a half. Yeah, I think that's actually probably the best edge in the entire game so i think if i was even bet anything that would be it as well um you know it, you're showing about a three-point difference between my model and where you're at and like i said i'm i'm showing the first half at like 21 points versus like a 24 so i mean yes that's that's about the only edge in the entire vegas line compared to mine so I was going away. I think you. I think you're on the right side of it right now. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's a. It's a real tricky game to kind of kind of kick off. And also, when looking at the numbers, Burrow actually averages two yards less of depth per target against a zone than a man. And Raiders run a predominantly zone defense too. So Burrow's not as explosive going against a zone. I forgot to add that. Um, next game, interesting game. Your Buffalo Bills versus the New England Patriots. And oh my boy, do I have some stats for you for this one, my friend. I think I'm actually going to impress you with this one, dude. I think I think when I dug up, you're going to be impressed. Where is your head on this game? The line right now, I'm looking at bed stamp. Ooh, it's actually ticked up. We're at four and a half right now. We got the Bills laying four and a half. We got an over-under. Uh, it's 44 across the board. First half, we got Bills. Ooh, this is interesting. I'm seeing as low as Bills minus 2.5 all the way up to 3.5. The over-under is a consistent 22.5. Yep. All right, so if I'm going to start anywhere with this game, I'm going to start with the first half. And, you know, yeah, you know, to the, to the point of a few things here, what I, you know... My numbers actually go against my bills. Let's put it that way, right? Like so. Again, there's no bias in what I'm what I'm talking about here because I'm a big Bills fan. Obviously, I want them to just absolutely dominate the Patriots, and I believe they will. 
regardless of what my model says here, because, you know, playing at home and everything else, um, you know, I actually find a lot of value in the totals uh, for this game. So I think Vegas got it wrong. I think these totals are too low. Um, I think you're going to see, you know, more offense than you would than you would believe. Uh, I know it's supposed to be snowing there today, kind of like it is in Denver for me right now. But, you know, they get all that cleaned up real quick. thing is about, you know, snow cities, they know how to clean that stuff up too. So it's a matter of who's going to be playing better in the cold. And, you know, weather-wise, I know people don't like to touch those kinds of things. But, you know, honestly, the Bills, they everything about their offense is through their running game. I mean, you see them when they're scoring, you know, 30, 40 points a game is because they've established a run. And in weather like that, regardless, they're going to be they're going to be running. Um you know, the only thing that kills me is when our QB comes out throwing right out of the gate. And I'm like, dude, get the run going. But so where I like this game definitely is on the total side of the house. I mean, I'm showing Vegas, like you just mentioned. I think I think my book still had it at 22 and a half. Uh, you know, I think you mentioned 23. That means it's kicking up in that direction because what I'm averaging for my model is like around 29 in the first half. Uh, that's definitely a play for me. And over the long term of the game, um, you know, the over-under sitting at 44. I got the over in that as well. I'm showing a total is upwards of 60. So oh, wow. it's kind of like, you know, I, I know that, sound, that sounds crazy, but it's like, you know, these teams are going to come ready to play. These teams' offenses should be coming ready to play. You know, and, and everything's going to be established on the ground, of course. So it's, it's really just a matter of, like, you know, that showing up. Um, you know, I know we're talking about two good rushing defenses here, though both in the top five. I mean, that's the only thing. But we're also talking about two of the top, you know, rushing offenses, too, both sitting in the top ten. So, you know, I want to think offense is going to outweigh the defense. Um, you know, but, yeah, my values in terms of, like, where I really like this is, is definitely sitting in the totals factor for me. It's just too much of a discrepancy for me to ignore and not play that. So that's what I'm walking in in first half and the over for the game. Okay. All right. Well, this is what I dug up, my friend. Okay. First, first thirteen games, and you kind of touched on it with your talking. The the Bills they averaged twenty five point four carries per game, one hundred twenty one on the ground, rushing point nine TDs through thirteen games, and Singletary was only getting eight point six carries, forty two yards, and point one five TDs a game. The last four games, their offensive line is finally healthy, and the Bills are averaging 33.5 carries per game, 159 yards on the ground, and two TDs. Singletary, 19 carries, 81 yards, one TD, 4.26 yard per carry. I really think that Bills game against the Patriots, where the Patriots just ran the ball, really showed the staff, hey, we can't just rely on Allen. We got to be able to run the ball and kind of grind out games. And since that game, they've started to do that. So I kind of did a deep a deep dive. When the Patriots have played a, a run game, a run team within the top 10 DVOA, they've given up an average of 131.4 yards per game to opposing teams running the ball. And the number that really stuck sticked out was they gave up 226 to the Colts. And the Colts like to run in the interior like I think the Bills are going to be able to do. I think the Bills are just going to be able to run all over this Patriots defense. I locked him in at four yesterday. I, I love your team here. Looking at Jones on the road. Um, completion percentage, 2.22 uh, percentage points less. 
He is averaging about 60 yards less per game passing. He has a 1-to-1 TD to interception ratio. And the Patriots are scoring 6 points less on the road than they are at home. I locked in the Bills at plus, uh, oh, excuse me, minus 4. I, I love your team here. I, I think they're going to win it all. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, I agree. I, and I kind of love that you <laughs> – I really do. I really am impressed with the stats you found over the last four weeks because – you could see that in the progression of their games. If you just watched any of their games, like me and my dad over text, we'd, we'd definitely be talking like, why is he, why aren't they running the ball right now? And then the second they did, Singletary, you know, just he would just start establishing himself, wearing down the other defense, and to your point, ending up with over 100-plus yards rushing and a TD almost last every single game. I think he's gotten in the end zone every game for the last four weeks. Yeah. And, you know, and he uh, and I, I totally see that trend continuing. I think they finally have a really good basis for their offense, and you know, their their receivers are definitely going to spread them out. I mean, nobody's going to ignore Diggs and and uh, and Knox and everything like that from tight end perspective. So it's like, you know, they definitely have the weapons to make it happen, and they they've already had defense. Um, you know, what kills me is you know when I'm looking at this. And I love your play. Don't get me wrong. I, I totally agree with you. I think they're going to win. This is kind of why, more or less, when I look at my model, it says examine versus play. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, I definitely look at those numbers the same way. Um, and I'm really, really glad you dug into the level that you did. But again, my model uh, from a, you know, from just biased numbers, unbiased numbers perspective, is uh, more of a pick 'em game. Uh, so I have my line actually as like a minus one for the Bills versus minus four and a half. So, you know, there is a little value in that, um, but not enough for me to make that a play. So, again, I see the biggest discrepancy in the total. I mean, I can't ignore almost a 15 to 16 point advantage in the full game uh, for myself not to play that over. Now, also another stat that I found, and I mean, I think this is, I don't know, like there's certain trends I like, it's like trends with coaches, um, trends with quarterbacks. But rookie guys making their first start in the playoffs going against someone that's at least made one, the 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 quarterback that's at least made one, so Josh Allen, their team is 60% against the spread. So, I mean, like, I kind of get that, but also I think that's kind of like, you know what I mean, kind of like a worthless trend in my eyes. I don't, I don't know what you think. You know what I mean? Because, like, trends right. like that, I feel you can work in either direction. Now... You can. You can. Um... This game, I mean, I, I'm, I, I, I dug deep here. I mean, I have, I have been on this Eagles team ever since they started to run the ball because I really feel that there's no team in the NFL that can really stop the run. But I'm interested to see where your opinion is on the Eagles going to Tampa. Um, depending on the book, it's anywhere from nine to eight. Um, over under over under is dipping down just because there's 30 mile per hour rins and rain in the forecast it's down to 45 and a half looking at the first half it is a consensus five and a half across the board and a consensus 23 and a half for the over under for the game on Sunday Philly and Tampa Bay where is your head at yeah so I <laughs> I, I love that you level set with me on uh, on where you know the current lines are because I'm. It helps me look at where I modeled this thing a few days ago versus today, and actually seeing those kind of positions a little bit. And to your point, right, 
knowing at least why the line is moving in a certain direction is very helpful. Like to your point of the uh, full game total for Eagles and Bucks and why it came down almost a full point due to like what weather expectations. Um, you know, again, uh, from an unbiased perspective, I got Tampa Bay winning this thing by two scores. Um, so the line sitting at eight, I mean, that's, that's really tough for me to bet on. I'm sitting more at a minus 11 uh, for myself as an overall model average. Um, but then again, for the totals, this is where I'm, I'm leaning again. I'm leaning at the over. You know, that's one of those things where everybody, you know, the public starts to all just kind of buy in on, you know, going down and taking the under and, I'm actually leaning the other way. I see this game again as a total of about 58. And I think that's more just due to, you know, the explosive offense that, you know, Tampa Bay has for sure. Uh, They got healthy, you know, over the last week or so as well. I know I've seen some players definitely coming back from COVID, from injury, um, you know, a lot of different factors there to consider with their team just in general. I'm pretty sure that like their lead defensive captain, David is back in the lineup now. And, um, you know, so they got healthy over week two. And, you know, similar to the last week when we spoke, when, when I said Tampa Bay would blow that team out by about three scores for Carolina, and they sure enough did. Um, you know, they, I, I definitely see this again being one of those things. This will be tighter. So, you know, again, I'm giving it a two score advantage for them. You know, a field goal, touchdown kind of advantage. Uh, so that minus eight is really close for me. My total, you know, for what I'm looking at again, similar to the Bills game. And I know the weather is like really what everybody's staring at here, but personally for me, again, if, if there's just too much of an advantage of these totals, um, you know, to be higher than that just based on weather alone. So, you know, I think they're going to have enough in the run game. I think Brady's smart enough. He's played in enough weather conditions to, you know, throw or or hit the run, you know, whichever one makes the most sense for that game. And, you know, I think they're going to win this thing uh, hands down. But, I'm definitely putting my money on the over for the game for for what I've locked in over 45 and a half um, from the first half perspective. I don't find value in these lines. Again, I got the Bucks, you know, winning the first half by definitely a, more than a touchdown. Uh, my line's like minus seven and a half. Book line's at minus five and a half. So there's a little advantage there if you think you're actually going to get a full touchdown out of them, um, you know, to beat the book line in that way. But Again, totals, I see more of a five-point advantage. My, my average for the first half is 28, so like four scores versus, you know, the book sitting around 23 and a half. Um, but again, I think that came down just due to weather expectations. So I don't find value in the first half, but I do find value in the full game over. So that's where I'm putting my money. Now, this is where we're going to differ. So I, I, I've been on this Eagles team for a while since I started running the ball. Um, mm-hmm. First six weeks. 22 attempts, 113.6 yards per game. They're averaging 22.3 points per game. Last 11 weeks of the season, they're averaging 38 attempts per game, 184.8 yards per game, and their scoring went up to 27.9 points per game. They broke an NFL record. They had seven straight games where they ran for 175 yards or more. So they obviously like to run the ball. Um... Hertz is a mobile quarterback, a lot of RPOs. Miles Sanders is finally coming back. Bucks. Bucks are number, what are they in terms of defense? Everyone says with the Bucks defense, they are a good run stopper. So I looked at it. They're averaging giving up 92.5 yards per game. 
But you look at the last eight games, 106.9 yards. You look at the last three games, two against the Panthers, one against the Jets. 109 yards per game rushing. Then I just took a look at when they played teams that were in the top 16 DVOA running the ball. But now I took out the Pats game because they played that game against the Pats where they just threw at Richard Sermon 40 times a game because they literally just signed... Sherman, the Patriots, only ran the ball eight times for negative one yards. So I took that game out, okay? So that means a game against the Colts, game against the Eagles, game against the Bills, and game against the Jets. Those teams are in the top top 16 DVOA. They're averaging giving up 133 yards, 133 and a half yards rushing per game, and 28 points per game up from 19, where they play a team that's not in the uh, bottom half of DVOA rushing the ball. So I really think like the fallacy that you can't run against this Bucks defense is a little bit miscued because they took advantage of teams that can't run the ball. And when they've played a good rushing attack, teams have been able to score. They have been able to run. And then Hertz, who's a big part of the big part of the Eagles offense running the ball, I took a look. Bucks have given up the third most rushing yards for the season to opposing um, quarterbacks. So I think the Eagles actually are going to be able to run the ball here. I think yeah. the Eagles are a live dog, man. I mean, I locked them in at nine. With the weather, I think it kind of factors the team with the better rushing attack. And then you look at the um, the offensive side for the ball for the Bucks. I really think this is a game where there's no Godwin. There's no A.B., the other Grayson and um, Perryman are both banged up, but they're third and fourth stringers. You have a banged up Evans. You can put Slay on Evans. He can just shadow Evans. Then you double team Gronk and you force like the third, the fourth, and the fifth string guys, Tyler Johnson, Chris Grayson, and Brashad Perryman to make plays. And if those guys beat you, they beat you. So be it. Um, I, I don't know. I locked him in at nine. I took it a little bit of the 320. I think the Eagles are pretty live in this situation. I agree, and I think, you know, listening to you, <laughs> just about the rushing, you know, uh, side of the ball from the Eagles and, you know, the points that, uh, the points in both yards that Tampa Bay's given up, I feel like you only made my case stronger for the over. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, against, against the, you know, what is appearing, you know, appears to be like a, a stout defense overall for Tampa Bay, I, I look at this more as a shootout. Yeah. I mean, really, um, you know. And, and especially in a wild card weekend, like I, I really look at this as a shootout for themselves. I mean, yes, they have great numbers across the board from a um, just overall Devoa standpoint. And, you know, top 10 almost everywhere except for their passing defense. And, you know, and, and in that regard, like I just, you know, it's, it's hard to say, it's hard to say that, you know, Tampa Bay won't win just because of Brady. But, you know, at the same point, I do look at this Eagles team as being a very close line for them to be live in this game. So, again, I I don't – I, I kind of like where you're at on the spread, but, again, I feel like you just made my case stronger for the over. <laughs> I may have to invest a little bit because it's like – it's almost to the point where it's an overreaction. You know what I mean? Because it's opened up at 50. Yeah. It's moved five points. Now you have value on the over. And, I mean, Florida's Florida. I mean, it could be pouring rain, like, and then three minutes later, it could be sun, not a cloud in the sky. So, 
exactly. Um, next game, the Nickelodeon game, and I'll tell you what, I'll be watching the Nickelodeon feed because I think those are great. Uh, we got the 49ers at the Cowboys, probably one of the most looked forward to matchup out of anyone this weekend. Um, it's an intriguing matchup. Uh, looking at the lines, right now we got consensus, we got threes across the board, San Francisco getting a three. Uh, depending on your book, it's anywhere from 51 to 50 and a half for the total. For the first half, we have a pretty much a consensus. San Francisco getting one and a half with an over under 25 and a half with one book. Uh, it's tick. Oh, I'm sorry. We have anywhere from 24 and a half as the low to 26. So there's a pretty wide range here if you shop around. Where uh, Where's your head with this game? Yeah, so this is uh, this is another game where my lines are very very tight with Vegas. Um, you know, I'm showing a, a an advantage for Dallas up to minus four. So you know that that field goal at home for them. I mean, basically showing that they can cover. Um, you know, which I, I don't hate for them as well. Um, across the totals, I'm I'm showing a little a little edge toward the over. Um, to your point, my books are sitting around fifty and a half for the full game. Uh, first half, it's actually sitting at that very low of 24 and a half for myself. So, um, but my average again on that is sitting at 27, 28, um, 27 and a half is really where I'm falling. But the first half, I've also got that right on par Vegas minus three for Dallas. So, you know, personally for me, lines are way too tight on this game for me to call anything. Um, you know, but my edges are definitely leaning more toward over and more for Dallas. Okay. So we we got a little difference of opinion here. Um, mm-hmm. I like the 49ers. And it just, this is where my head is with the NFL. I really feel like the NFL is such a copycat league. And with the success that Mahomes has had um, throwing the ball and everything, every single team in the NFL is built to stop the pass. And there's no real team in the NFL built to stop rushing attacks. I take a look at this Cowboys defense. And I'm not going to count the um, the game against the Eagles where they played in week three based on those stats I gave you before where the Eagles really weren't establishing themselves at a, as a running team. But I look at last game, week 17 against the Eagles backups. They gave up 149 yards rushing. That's a good rushing team. 153 yards to Kamara and the Saints. 190 yards to the Broncos with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. 120 yards to the Patriots in the game that the Cowboys should have lost. And I look at those teams where they're playing someone with a top 10 rushing attack. They're averaging giving up 25 points per game. If you take out the Eagles, because I included the Eagles first game in that, that's drifted all the way up to 26. So teams that can run the ball, and I really feel the Cowboys haven't really played an elite rushing team that was full strength because, like I said, Week 17, the Eagles basically played their practice squad. They haven't really faced anyone this good running the ball, and the uh, 49ers are averaging 127.4 yards rushing per game. I think the 49ers are going to be able to, to run the ball and when you run the ball it's going to open up the play action pass open up the middle of the field and the middle of the field is the weakness defending um for the cowboys i think kittle's going to be able to eat i think mitchell's going to be able 
to um, to eat. Then I just looked at Prescott for the second half. His completion percentage is down 4%. He has less passing yards per game, less TDs per game, and more INTs. The offense of the Cowboys really hasn't looked that good. And then you look at their offensive production when um, Gallup is out. It's just not as good because that forces Lamb to go from the inside to the outside. And it's just he just doesn't function that well on the outside compared to inside. Um, and then I look at Garopp, my boy Jimmy G. He's 76% against the spread as a dog, 12-5 and five straight up. Shanahan, 59% against the spread as a road dog. I think the Niners here, I love the Niners here. I locked them in at three. And I just think, like I said, like no one's really built to stop the run. I think the Niners are kind of a live dog as a to come out of the NFC, actually, just because they can run the ball. They can go into cold weather and control the clock. Um, so, yeah. So I, I want to jump in and just yeah. say a few things. So I... I love this perspective, first of all. And, you know, like I said, my models only got it a point better in favor of Dallas. And I told you when my lines are that tight, and I just said it in terms of the Raiders-Bengals game, my lines are this tight with Vegas, I go with the dog. I absolutely go with the dog. Um, you know, it's just, it's. I think you made case in point here, um, you know, to take them uh, for a lot of different reasons. But, yeah, man, I mean, if you even look at it, if, if anybody watched Dallas over the last few weeks, you know, they haven't really established a run game like for themselves and coming into this. I mean, and personally, if I just look at the numbers across the board that I have in terms of developer rankings, I'm looking at San Francisco in the top 10 for every single category. Yeah. And, you know, that's including their rushing and passing defense. I mean, passing defense is number two. And if that's the only thing they have to rely on with Dak and this team, then, I mean, yeah, you could definitely see Dallas getting bounced in the, you know, very first round here. And, you know, by all means, um, I know, again, this is kind of where we differ a little bit, but, you know, I hear you taking plus three. I take the money line on this all day long. And I've said this, you know, I don't know how many times I've come on and just talked about it, but NFL to me is a money line sport. Take that value and run with it. Because oh. <laughs> these teams are, are going to cover three easy. Oh, yeah, I will definitely. I always sprinkle on the money line. I always put a little bit on the spread on the do. money line. And um, also something I started doing was I also have, have you been doing round robin parlays? Oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> yep, I love those. I I have been doing those every single week, and um, yeah, those actually got me limited at DraftKings. I can no longer do those at DraftKings for the amount I was doing, so I got actually <laughs> limited on DraftKings doing those, That's which. Funny. Effing suck. That's also, also piss poor of them for to limit you. I mean, come on, like you know, you offer something, keep it going. Like yeah. you can't just all of a sudden call out a player. I I hate the restrictions on players that way personally, but I know. Hey, hey all, all the better to you, man. I mean, I love that stuff. Um, so the next one, and I'm not gonna lie, this is by far the toughest game in the effing world for me. I literally. I have no idea what the F to do in this game, and I'm going to be interested to hear where your head is. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to, what is this, is it still, still Arrowhead, or they changed the park's name? Um, to Kansas City, Sunday night primetime game. Lines kind of dipped down. It's down to 12.5 across the board now, over under 46. 
Uh, first half, we have anywhere from a seven to a seven and a half, depending on on whatever book you're losing, using. And the over under is 24 and a half to 23 and a half. So it's kind of a point discrepancy, discrepancy depending on the book. Um, Steelers, Chiefs, what are you thinking? Yeah, so this game for me, uh, I've got I've got Kansas City, you know, kind of in a three score game for themselves, similar to what I was talking about Tampa Bay last week. Um, numbers for me right now are showing Kansas City covering by almost twenty two points. Um, you know, obviously that line is sitting at minus twelve and a half, and it's been sitting there all week long, and that's just because I think uh, you know Vegas. Uh, has a really good understanding of knowing teams have a hard time covering two touchdowns, as I've always, you know, mentioned anytime I've come on. So, but in my opinion, that is where your greatest value is. We're talking about a 10 point differential. There's no way I'm going to ignore that. Um, so I'm definitely full game taking Kansas city at home, laying the points as well as in the first half. Um, I got them covering by two scores so that minus seven and a half in the first half as well is another one for me that I really like. Um, in the first half for the totals, you know, Vegas has a line of, I think, 23 and a half. I got my line right at 23 and a half. So, again, nothing there for me in terms of total. And, you know, for the full game, there's, uh, yeah, Vegas sitting right around 46. You know, I got 50 and a half for my average for the full game. But, you know, that's it's not enough for me to pull a trigger on in that over situation. Again, all my value that I see in this game is on Kansas City, laying the points, first half, full game. Whichever one makes the most sense for you. But, you know, I, I see a little bit better edge of taking Kansas City full game. And it's tough for me to say that. And I really – and I mean this because Kansas City is one of those teams this year that everybody, public perception, was just kind of like – you know, we're all in on Kansas City, you know, everything runs through Kansas City kind of situation, so everybody put the points on Kansas City, but Kansas City did not cover that much this year, this season overall, until recently. So I will say, over these last two to three weeks, you know, and that's what you really have to pay attention to, what kind of form has this team been in the last few weeks? And in the last few weeks, they've covered easily against all their opponents. So... You know, from that perspective, I'm definitely taking Kansas City, um, who, again, should be getting healthier, you know, everything else. I I definitely like them in this spot. I think I think Pittsburgh really got lucky to be here. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Like, nobody thought that game could come down to a tie in, in Vegas last week. It absolutely could have. And, you know, we wouldn't even be talking about Pittsburgh whatsoever, but here they are. Um, so, you know, to me, the you know, what probably the lowest seeded team whatsoever uh, against the top. I just I'm gonna say Kansas City at home all day long. Yeah, I mean that's kind of where my head is too. Um, Tomlin is incredible against the spread. You know, over sixty percent. Typically, this is a spot I take Tomlin. But when you just look at it, you you know you have Big Ben in the media. He's talking about having to cancel his trip to Hawaii. Um, Steelers needed overtime to beat the Ravens backups. They needed overtime to beat the, you know what I mean? Like to beat the backups of the Ravens. And then I really feel the way that you attack this Chiefs defense is through the air with the deep ball. Last four games, Big Ben's average depth of 
attempt. Four and a half yards. Four and a half yards, dude. Like, that is pitiful. I think his arm is done. I don't think he's going to be able to throw the ball down the field. But I'm like you, man. I don't I, – I just hate laying these big-ass totals. So, I mean, this is kind of where my head is for the game. Just sit it out. Chiefs get up big. Take the second half under. Because I really feel like at halftime it's going to be like 21-0, 21-3, you know, 24-7 whatever, you know, just sit out, take the second half. And then if it doesn't play out like that, my old ass will just go to bed early. You know what I mean? Like, I just, you know what I mean? I feel like I don't want to, I want to take the Chiefs, but I just take, I'm like you. I don't want to take a big fucking number. So I'm just going to sit this bad boy out unless I get a second half play. Yeah. I mean, if I'm, if I have to marry something, I'm marrying against that spread. I'm not touching the totals, but you know, that's, like I said, that, that is why I have such hesitancy with, with the Chiefs, just because they've been that team that everybody wanted to put their money on and be like, oh, they're, they're totally covering this against this team. Then they didn't cover. And, yeah. you know, and I and I definitely saw a few games like that. But, you know, more recently, their defense has come around a little bit better. They, you know, started to establish a little bit better offense. And, you know, so I definitely think, you know, they're going to look like, you know, a team that's formidable to actually, you know, put somebody away early that they should. And, and that's and that's my only hope and prayer with with that with that huge huge spread line right now. Yeah, it's a big number. So, but yeah, so I guess it we've is. got we're kind of on the same page, kind of. We're yeah. ki- we're kind of saying the same thing, but we're not saying the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, next game Monday Night Football, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm going to miss that Saturday noon game. I freaking love that last year, but you know Monday Night Football got to give ESPN their their game. We have. Matchup number three, we have the Arizona Cardinals going to SoFi Stadium. Total for the game across the board is 49 and a half. Um, the line, I, there's a three, one three and a half is on the board. Everything else is the Cardinals getting four. For the first half, there is one three and a half on the board. Everything else is a two and a half. Over under is 24 and a half to 25, depending on the book. Interesting matchup here, matchup number three. Where's your head with this one? Yeah, so with Arizona, I mean, full game, my lines are tight with Vegas. I mean, I'm showing minus 4.25. Vegas is like a minus four, like you just said. And, you know, Vegas totals anywhere, you know, 49 and a half, and my model's at 51 and a half. So it's like, very little edge uh, in those lines for me on the full game. The first half, um, you know, the, the three and a half makes it really interesting to see that. Um, you know, I, I hope my books go up to three and a half that I'm, that I'm tracking on, but uh, I've, I've got it at three on most lines. And then, like I said, 24 for Vegas. My line is actually pretty more of a pick in the first half. Um, you know, I'm actually showing more of an advantage for Arizona in the first half than than anywhere else. Um, total, not so much. Again, right on par. 24 for Vegas, 25 and a half for myself. You know, if I if I had to commit to something, which to me this is one of these stay away games personally, but I, you know, if if I'm just looking at this overall, um, I'm definitely going to go with LA uh, as my team to play which is you know 
that I was contradicting what I just said, but it, I'm saying that from a full game perspective, not a first half perspective. Let's, let's, you know, just to make sure I'm on the same page there. So the reason why I'm saying that though is because I had Arizona losing last week to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they did, and they, and so to me personally, like they haven't been in good form for a few weeks. They just haven't, you know, and. And I definitely think LA played a very strong Niners team, as you you know pointed out um, going in. So it's kind of like you know, LA kind of warmed each other up coming into the playoffs. Personally, I mean, they showed each of them showed the best versions of themselves last week, and it just came down to you know an overtime you know de- debate, really a decision in terms of like who could who could outscore who with the final play, and it came down to. You know, a pick. I mean, you know, outside of that, they might have been sitting in a tie situation for themselves as well, or you know, who knows? They might have come down, taken all the way in. But either way, outcome was the outcome. They lost the game, but you know, I can't say that they are you know looking terrible coming into this game. I think the Rams are in much better form than Arizona is. Um, I think you know, God, if they were to lose in the first round uh, with everything that they gone in on in terms of players and bringing people back and you know everything else that they're doing defensively to make sure that they're shored up across the board um you know i i really just want to just sit this one out myself personally and i think that's what i'm going to do if i have to make a play i'm playing arizona in the first half just to say that they have any kind of momentum coming into this um is tough because they really don't they've been in really bad form um, you know, but I think if they're going to come out of the gate, they're going to come out strong in the first half, and then that'll determine, you know, what the rest of the second half looks like for themselves. So, you know, again, Arizona first half for me. Outside of that, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the, you know, enjoy the show. All right. All right. So this is my thing. So I looked – the first thing is I looked at the two games they've played. Um, first game, Arizona won. They outgained them 465 to 401. Second game, Arizona lost, but they still outgained them um, 447 to 356. That comes out to Arizona's outgaining them about 77 yards per game. Looking at Stafford, he is a robust 38% against the spread at against the winning team. Kingsbury, 72% against the spread as a dog. Arizona, 8-1 against the spread as a road dog so that's kind of some stats that i found um looking at um looking at this um the one weakness the main weakness of the cards defense is defending the um the running game i feel but this of the mcveigh running system this is the lowest he's running the ball a game he's only running the ball 27.4 attempts per game which is lower than his four other seasons in los angeles and he's not rushing for 99 yards a game only rushing for 99 yards a game compared to last year when it was 126 i get it their points per game are up but you have to be able to run the ball and i really feel like mcveigh's gotten away from what his whole system is it's not a rush bet rushing it sorry it's a pass it's a rushing offense not a passing off. Yeah. And like, but you know what I mean? He's kind of gone away from what he does best. And I really feel like the cards are going to be able to cover the three here. Um, Looking at Stafford since week nine, 
he is average depth of completion down 1.8 yards. Um, average depth of target, oh, sorry, completion percentage is down 3%. And this is the stat that blew my mind. His interceptions have tripled. So he's throwing 3x as many interceptions. He's just not playing that well. Rams just signed Eric Waddle off the couch. So that, that, that tells me they're going to be playing more zone defense because he's not going to be in shape to be able to cover everything. Um, and Kyler Murray per play is averaging three yards better against a zone defense than a rushing defense, than, sorry, than a man-to-man defense. And then you factor in this team's going to be coming off Murray. He's just going to be able to run against Donald and Miller in this pass rush. I think the cards are going to be able to stay within this number of four. I'm above the key number. To me, this has a 21 you know, 21-20 feel, 21-24, 17-14 type feel to it. I I like the cards here. I, I got them at four. That's awesome. I mean, I definitely have this thing within a point of each other. Um, you know, to your point, it's more like a 27-24 kind of game for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I'm, but I mean, my model's even got it closer than that. I mean, literally a point, like 26 to 25. So, like, um you know, I'm, and, I, and so I definitely love the four, but again, that's even, I, I got them straight up winning the first half, like kind of in a 13, uh, you know, maybe like a tie situation, 13, 10, 13, 13, um, kind of first half for themselves. So I, that's why I lean, you know, Arizona first half versus anything, um, for my edge, but I, I love that for the game too. I think you hit all the right points there. Um, and so, I mean, Definitely sounds like we're more in agreement on this one. Definitely with, with Arizona, no matter if it's first half or full game. Yeah, so that's so we, we had some we had some agreements, we had some disagreements, which is always good because it's always good to hear difference of opinions on stuff. Um, gun to your head right now. What is your Super Bowl prediction? <laughs> all right, so I'm gonna take my Bills going all the way. Um, I, I love I love seeing them. Um, I definitely think they're going to be there. But I think it's going to be a Bills-Tampa Bay. Um, really do. I think it's going to be kind of ending up in that situation from AFC-NFC. Um, you know, just early on looking at it all, I just think these two teams are just in really good form for themselves. Um, I know Tampa Bay, you know, based on what you said, defensively probably isn't in their – you know, a huge drive, but I think the Bills definitely are. I think they've got both sides of the ball rocking right now. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm putting my money is I think it's going to become a, you know, it, I, I hate to say it, but it's, kind of, it's almost like your usual suspects, right? Because, again, it's going to be kind of more of like a Bills, Kansas City. Everything kind of goes through Kansas City right now. And then the same thing. I think everything kind of goes through Tampa Bay right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I definitely look at it from that perspective and, you know, if I was to pick anybody at the at this big four, if you will, like I'm taking Bills to Tampa Bay, and, and I'm going to say the Bills pull it out. I, I just think it's my year. I yeah. already had my Braves win it. My other team's going to win it. Let's go. <laughs> so we agree on that. I have the Bills winning it. Um, I locked them in actually back in March. I think I got them at 16 to 1. Um, nice. I, I like them here, I think, but I think they're going to beat the 49ers. I got the Bills 
over the 49ers, finally getting over the hump. Scott Norwood in the parade, celebrating after missing that field goal. Yeah, I like the Bills here. I really think this is their year. I think everything's starting to come together. And actually, that whole debacle on Monday Night Football, I probably think that was the best thing that happened for them because they kind of opened their eyes that, that, that they do need to run the ball a little bit. Um, I agree. David, thank you for taking time out of your day after our, after working to come on, talk a little sports, talk a little NFL, super wild card weekend, and give everyone your bets. You've been killing it, absolutely murdering it on college basketball, especially with those totals. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and everything? I appreciate it, and yeah, thanks again for having me on. I, I really love doing this with you, and you know, I could talk this all day long with anybody. Um, really just, uh, again, appreciate the different opinions. I appreciate how deep you go in stats to impress me, too, because you definitely do, and you know, sometimes, again, it just highlights a little bit more perspective from each side um, to really you know, give people the right insight into either the spread or the total. So, uh, if anybody wants to, you know, ever link up, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Denver Dog Better B E T T O R, and then as well uh, on Instagram at Alpha Underscore Analytics Twenty One as well. And you'll see the logos are very similar. And yeah, just hit me up anytime. I really appreciate the conversation. Appreciate all the betting all day. So thank you very much, Eric, for having me on. Oh, anytime. Look forward to doing it again. Let's cash some tickets. Let's make some money, and we'll talk soon, my friend. Well, guys, that's it for today's ETOF 2-1 Sports Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Reminder, I'm going to be on Cutting Nets later today, um, talking a little college basketball with Chase, Gino, and Biho. Then I'll be on 4th and Inches later, breaking down some more NFL games. Then I'll be on 4th and Inches Sunday. Thank you for listening to today's show. Thank you for today's guest. Thank you from Dylan, DC underscore sports guy. Coming on, talking a little Cam Rogers to the Knicks. Thank you to my boy Leo on his birthday. Coming on, talking a little Dolphins. And my main man, David. Thank you for him to coming on, talking game by game for the NFL with his betting perspective. Let's cash some tickets. Let's make some money. Until next week, my friends.